Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim, and we are four women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. Releasing the shame around your struggles is hard work, especially if you feel alone. And so we wanted to create this podcast as a way to unite women of all ages, from all locations, all sizes and shapes, and really just want to invite you to sit at our table. Come as you are. Health and fitness is for everybody. And we're here to remind you that you belong, you matter, you are brave, you are capable, you are deserving of success. Maybe right now you don't truly believe those things, and that's okay. When we first got started, we didn't either. But we promise that each episode, we will show up vulnerably. We want you to realize your potential and the truth of who you really are. We will help you step into success and acknowledge that the power already lies within you. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Today, I'm your host, Sam Altieri, and with me are the other three wonderful women, Kim, Sarah, and Marcy. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. We are all here and today we are going to talk all about your environment mostly the people that you surround yourself with so whether that be a partner or your family or friends or people in your gym or people at work and how that can affect you in your health and fitness journey and also some of the feelings it can bring up with resistance if their goals aren't similar to yours and kind of how to manage that. Um, I know that in my past, when I started making different choices and, and adopting healthier habits, I definitely felt some friction um, and just general kind of like judgment from other people around me. And I didn't really know how to manage it. And how I managed it at first was not telling anyone about it and just being very secretive. And so for you right now, if you're listening, if you're either starting in your fitness journey or maybe you're, you're experiencing some of this, we wanted to give you some actionable strategies to kind of working through that and also just talk a little bit about our experiences with our environments. Um, so let's start it off. Um, why don't we start off with you, Marcy? Do you have any experience with a partner or friends or family, um, not necessarily supporting or understanding your goals? Okay. I feel like I'm always the one playing devil's advocate. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's okay. We need to devil. Yeah. We need the horns. Okay. So this, this could be lengthy. Uh, I will try to condense it as best I can. But I started my fitness journey, like I said, when I was around 12 years old. And that was because I was insecure with how I looked and I decided to take action and do something about it. What was modeled to me as a kid was mostly through my dad because he was an athlete. I saw him working out every single morning in our garage when I started to play soccer He drug me down to the football field at the local high school to run sprints to get me in shape. I saw my mom kind of dabble in fitness. So she did tap classes when I was young. She did aerobics. So fitness was always a part of our family's life. And we ate pretty healthy for the most part. Then when I was really getting into trying to lose weight, I approached my mom asking her for help with my nutrition. And she's like, oh, let's do the cabbage soup diet together. Let's do Weight Watchers together. You know, <laughs> she, she, tried, she tried to support me in that. And my mom, my mom has a lot of, I would say, PTSD in a sense from her own childhood and the way that my grandmother treated her because of her weight. Like my mom was not overweight, but just that was always a focus. So little comments like, are you really going to eat that? Or when she went to, um, 
to Europe after she graduated high school and came back, the first thing my grandma said was, wow, you sure gained some weight. So my mom never tried to like do those things to me, but she was supportive of me wanting to better myself. And then in high school, my sophomore year, I started dating a guy and he and I got really into working out, healthy eating, all of that. So I would say throughout most of my, or the beginning of my fitness journey, I had a lot of support and encouragement. And then I went off to college and that's where things got kind of ugly and the obsession took over, the restriction, the, uh, I guess, exercise addiction in a sense. And my friends weren't unsupportive, but what happened was they became really uncomfortable with my behavior. So like my sorority sisters and I went from having a lot of friends and everything being great to kind of feeling like an outsider and like I was getting left out. They weren't including me in things. And that was really, really hard. And I finally had to, you know, ask one of them, like, what's going on? I feel like I've done something to you guys. Like, you know, what is it? And she basically admitted to me, you know, your behavior makes us really uncomfortable and we're worried about you. So that was kind of a wake up call, I guess. Um, and I, I took action from there to improve things and to try to get some help. You know, one of my friends, unbeknownst to me, or I didn't know who it was, but wrote a letter to my parents, you know, saying that she was worried about me and my parents chose not to do anything about it. But anyway, so I would say I've had a lot of support. No one has ever tried to sabotage me in the sense of, oh, like, why do you eat that way? You know, So I feel very lucky in that regard. Um, I would say really the only person who ever kind of gave me a hard time was my brother, who is much older. I've always considered him to be more like a parent than anything. And I don't see him very often. So it would be at, you know, holidays, birthdays, things like that. And if I was choosing, you know, not to eat the cake, he'd be like, oh, come on, you one bite won't hurt you. Are you sure you don't want it? Are you sure you don't want it? It's like, yeah, I'm good. Like, leave me alone. And as the years went on, you know, that transitioned from being about my weight and my appearance to more needing to avoid things for my health and my autoimmune diseases. So not everyone understands that, but, but yeah, that's kind of my, my journey. And like I said, I've been lucky that for the most part, people in my life have been really supportive and over time it has gotten easier and they kind of realize like, okay, that's what Marcy needs to do for her. That's fine. We'll just leave her alone. Yeah. I think what you said about feeling left out or like feeling like an outcast, I think that, um, that it resonates a lot with me and probably everyone listening at some point, whether you make a decision or you want to make a decision, but you feel like you don't fit in. Like you just feel like you're being cast out or you're not going to be loved or accepted. And it's like, all because I don't want a slice of cake, like really, you know, but ultimately like that decision over time multiplied by all of the birthdays and parties and stuff that can leave you feeling really like defeated. And like, do I really want my goals that badly? Like I want to fit in too, you know? <laughs> well, and the irony was I wanted to lose weight and get in better shape and improve the look of my body so that I would be accepted. I would fit in. And now <laughs> right. Thing oh that my I, god amen yes the very thing yeah. that i was doing to achieve that was actually pushing people away um i remember like my high school boyfriend after he was a year older so he went off to college and that's kind of what triggered this too was i was like oh my gosh he left me how could he leave me and so I remember thinking to myself, when he comes back from winter break or whatever it is, like, I'm going to look so good and he's going to regret having broken up with me or having gone off to college. Oh, I've done that. Damn it. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> no, it <laughs> didn't really work. And then, you know, when we went off, so he actually ended up transferring and we went to college together and we broke up about six weeks into my freshman year. I broke up with him and then... When we went back home from winter break or for winter break, we kind of still hung out together and I had lost a lot of weight and people were like, what's wrong with Marcy? Like, is she asking him, like, is she anorexic? Is everything okay? Um, 
so, so that happened, you know, another boyfriend of mine, like said, I looked like a 12 year old boy. I've told you guys, you know, many times at this point, my ex-husband left me. And I know part of that was because of my obsession with my appearance. So it's like, yeah, everything that I was doing to try to gain acceptance and admiration was actually making people uncomfortable and pushing them away. Yeah. So that's really powerful. And and thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's like, that's not an easy thing to talk about, right? Like the one thing that you are trying to do to fit in is actually causing you the feelings of not fitting in, you know? (laughs) But when you're in that cycle, you don't know, like you're so blindsided to the truth. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my story. Well, I love it. And it definitely resonates with me. What about uh, you guys, Kim and and, um, Sarah, who wants to chat next? Do either of you resonate with Marcy's story and want to hop on her uh, on the tail end? Well, gosh, mine is very different than that. Not not at all like that. Um, (laughs) But so I have a a group of close girlfriends and as moms and gaining weight with pregnancies and whatever, we had tried all kinds of things together to lose weight, you know, various things. And no one was ever really successful, right? We kept like gaining and losing the same weight. But when I actually became successful with weight loss by, you know, eating moderately and, and working out, and I started to see some success, there was pushback for sure. Um, people were uncomfortable, you know, change makes people uncomfortable. Um, I was making different choices about my food. I was making different choices about how I spent my time. And um, my friends were still super close today and they loved me, but change is hard for people. And there was definitely sabotage that went on. Um, We were away for a weekend and my one friend put a box of Cocoa Puffs and a package of Reese Cups, a big package of Reese Cups on my pillow. (gasps) And I was like... Now that would be super sweet if it was like my birthday or whatever, but like she knew I was already like, okay, like we're going away for this weekend. We have special food plans. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be moderate. I'll eat some of the special food and I'll try and, you know, eat my healthy breakfast. Well, now I've got a box of my favorite cereal. One of my oh favorite my God. That's evil. And, and she wasn't trying to be evil. She really, food is one of her love languages. It's like, this is, she cares for people like this all the time. And it, I was like, what are you doing? And we had several arguments about these kinds of things. You know, I'd be like, why do you keep doing that? And, you know, or she'd like make me muffin, chocolate chip muffins and like bring them over. Yeah. So it was hard. It was hard for a while. And what did you do? So in the, the cereal and Reese's, Puff, uh, Reese's instance, do you remember your response? Like, did you want to eat um, them? Were you like, yeah, yeah, I wanted to eat them. Of course I wanted to eat them. Like it's one of my trigger foods. It's one of the things like for me to be successful, I set my environment up to be successful. So I don't have super sized boxes of cereal lying around until such time that I'm like, okay, this is how I'm going to use my calories. Kids, like we're getting some cereal. Everybody eats some cereal yeah. and then I don't buy cereal for a few more weeks, right? And so this was, it was, that was hard for me. And I felt very, I felt very much like, now, come on, you did that on purpose. You know, just, it was hard for me. Did you speak that to her? Did you tell her that? Not in a very effective way at the time. I can do that much better now, but then I kind of like laughed and I think I made kind of a snide remark. It was not productive. It would have been, it took some time of us going through similar experience like this for us to have a real honest conversation about like, Hey, I know change is hard and I know you probably feel judged by what I'm doing. I think that's a really common thing. Like the people around us feel like that they should change because we're changing or they feel like they're going to be left behind because we're going somewhere without them. Right. And so it just takes time and like honest conversation and reassurance, you know, and for people to deal with their own stuff. Yeah. For sure. Not take it as like a personal attack, but rather mm-hmm. you're just trying to improve. And as a result, if that makes them feel insecure and not good, then that means they have to take a look kind of yeah. at like what their decisions are. Like, are they going home and putting boxes of cereal in their bed and falling asleep with them? Eating? <laughs> like, Maybe. It doesn't sound like a bad life, but. <laughs> like, wait a minute. That sounds like a great Saturday. Oh my God. I love that. Instead of jumping into a ball pit, we're just going to jump into a cereal pit. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so there. I'm so there. I would and, and what I just described, the, the specifics of that situation would vary from person to person. I bet a lot of people are listening right now and they're like, that, that happens to me. Mm-hmm. My husband does that. My friend does that because it's kind of people's natural reaction to like, we're making a big change. They're uncomfortable and they 
do something and probably a lot of times not even totally consciously to sabotage us. You know, they love us. They don't want to hurt us, but they also don't want to lose us or be left behind. Right. I feel like they should change. Yeah. I've caught myself actually not like making muffins or like buying something for someone knowing that they're trying to lose weight. Like even my mom, like she's been actively on a weight loss journey and my instinct is like bring her home like gluten-free goodies because she can't have gluten. And I'm like, yeah, but she doesn't really need a gluten-free cinnamon bun every time I come home. (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. But like that would have been an old pattern. And so it's like, no, I'll just like spend time with her and not like buy her cinnamon rolls. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, what about you? What's your experience with environment and people and behavior? Uh, yeah, so I had, um, I inherited a group of friends. I'm going to phrase it like that from um, an ex-boyfriend of mine in that we were in a relationship. I met this group of people. I split up with him and the friends chose to kind of stick by me. Um, well, you know, um, and you paid them, you know, didn't you? Yeah, I did pay them because that's the only, <laughs> the only way that people are ever friends with me. Knew it. Yes, we have your rent out. Your rent's due in a week. And <laughs> um, and in the initial stages, like it was great because we were still all kind of in the partying like phase. Um, but then as I changed jobs and started to sort myself out um, and had a real shift in how I was you know going about my day-to-day life so I kind of turned down my drinking like stopped really um, and I I was just being like that was when I went into the kind of um, competing obsessive food thing so like I was like my food was a bit of an issue for a while around them but even when I started to come out of the other side of it um, I basically was just made, to, I felt very, very uncomfortable around them and very kind of like judged. And it's that thing that Kim was saying that kind of, there would be snide comments made. And, um, you know, when I was saying no to going on like nights out or going to, you know, like going to events and stuff, there would always be like, they would kind of mask it with like a little bit of concern, but I think it was more what you've just said, Kim, in that it was more like they could see that I was changing and wanting to do different, different things and not have a life that revolved around this particular kind of like going out lifestyle. Um, And what was your response to that? um, Well, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, do it I, I just stopped going I stopped going to stuff and just accepted that actually you know okay if they want to kind of talk about me or whatever that the main problem with that kind of group was that they were kind of a little bit toxic in that they would kind of talk about each other when they weren't all together and so I kind of knew that when I wasn't with them, I would be getting talked about. But my biggest problem was that I was still in a house share with somebody that was in this, was like in the group. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't escape it completely. Um, and it wasn't until I moved out of my house that I was sharing with him and moved into my own place that I, I made a decision that I was just going to cut ties altogether. Um, and I actually haven't seen any of them in two, three years now. Oh my gosh, you cut your cords. I cut my cords because I just, and I didn't, you know what, in all honesty, I had, I actually didn't realize how much it was impacting me until I had stepped, stepped away from it. Um, Cause it just, it didn't make me feel good, which is why like, the topic of this um, podcast I was really excited because I think people don't realize that like the how much what is around you impacts what's going on in your head Um, and so on a subconscious level you're kind of taking in all of the um, like rubbish and stuff that people are saying and how they're making you feel Um, and then it can impact you when you're kind of you know in your own life so yeah, that's my my kind of experience. Yeah. When you I'm curious to know like when you decided that you were going to kind of break away from them in that mm-hmm. lifestyle, what was like the first thing that you did to make a step in the direction away from them? I started saying no to things. 
because I used to, I am naturally a people pleaser. I'm an Enneagram too. So I'm all about making sure that everyone else is all right. And, you know, um, crowd pleasing. So for me, I'd always, I'd say yes to anything that was going on. And then I would have awful anxiety and stress around going to it. I would make myself go. At the time, it would generally, to deal with the anxiety, I'd end up um, drinking too much. Um, and then the cycle just continued. So my big thing was, and then I would feel really like awful for like a few days, obviously, because I've been drinking, etc. So my big thing was to just start saying no to things and stop really caring what people, what they might be saying about me behind my back. Um, because saying, saying no, it was kind of like me respecting what I needed to do for me. Yeah, for sure. I think that that for me was my biggest mm-hmm. struggle um, because I always used to say yes to everyone. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to hang out with everyone. I wanted everyone to love me. And I think my biggest conflict was like just wanting to fit in, yeah. um, wanting to feel like I was part of the group, wanting to feel like the fun person. And, but the whole, like, you know, as soon as I started to make those shifts, I felt like, kind of an outcast and I had this really big fear of judgment and Mm -hmm. a huge fear of like outshining others and like oh like I am becoming more successful or I am like in my you know in changing my body and my my health and that's going to leave other people behind and I didn't want to leave them behind in a sense so I would end up doing things that weren't really what I wanted to do so that I would fit in and it was like you know, going out and drinking or drinking a lot, like going out and drinking is okay, but like going out and drinking to the point of blackout yeah. is not okay all the time, yeah. you know? but doing it because I was like, Oh, I'm going to take shots with everyone anyway. Yeah, exactly. That was the thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's that whole thing of like, you don't want to look like the, like the loser, like, like the part, like the party pooper or yeah. the kind of like, so you would totally just, it's that whole thing of like fear of rejection. Yes. Like you just, you desperately just want to be liked and loved. Um, but it just ends up like just in this torturous cycle. It makes me like want to rip my eyes out when I think about it. Yeah. And when you wake up the next morning, I think for me, it was like a telltale sign. Like if you wake up the next morning feeling like, oh my God, not again. I did it again. Like I did it again. And I'm so full of, it was almost like shame and guilt mm-hmm. because you weren't really doing what you wanted to do you didn't say no you didn't set the boundary and instead you did something because you felt pressured peer pressure to do it yeah. but that pressure was like you put that on yourself yeah exactly but you could have said no and it took me so long to realize like oh i can just say no even if it's mildly uncomfortable if those people don't support me long term then they're not worth having in my life yeah amen but yeah that's hard in the moment to step outside and be like, do these people actually really love me and like want me to succeed? Cause chances are they don't. If I'm feeling that tension and the need to f- say yes out of fear of not being accepted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if you're putting out, if you're not sticking authentically to what you want as a person around the people that you're with, if you're not able to say what you want, then that indicates that those people are probably not right for you to be around. Bye, Karen. Hope you find Bye. your mom. <laughs> Time to go. <laughs> Leave. Marcy, what were you going to say? That whole crabs in the bucket metaphor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Share it, though, for everyone listening if they've never heard it. Okay, so basically how it goes is you put a, a bunch of crabs in a bucket, and one of the crabs starts to crawl up and as an attempt to escape, the other crabs are going to try to bring them back down because it doesn't yeah. want the other crab to get out. Yeah. Uh, wants to, you know, remain, keep the status quo. But, and I think that's more for the crab's safety, right? But you can use it as a kind of an analogy for what the people in your life are doing to you. Like they see you becoming 
better and making the changes for yourself that deep inside they want to make for themselves, but don't have the, the resources, the self-belief, the confidence, the resiliency, like whatever you want to call it to actually put forth the effort and, and really make a change. So that is extremely triggering for people because it brings up in them, I think these feelings of unworthiness, not good enough. So it's almost like, yeah, people want to keep you where you are so that like Sam said earlier, you don't outshine them, but also so that like they can feel like they are still safe. Right. For sure. Yeah. have to rather than getting upset with these people i think we have to have some compassion for them because i'm sure there's been a you know a time in our life where we felt similar you know maybe we've tried to self-sabotage other people uh because we had not gotten to the point on our own journey where we had a lot of you know self-love and self-respect and we're able to make these changes so you know it's kind of like giving people the benefit of the doubt and really having compassion for them that that they're struggling and it has nothing to do with you, but they, they want to keep you where you are so that they can feel safe in themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. essentially that's what it is. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, people are mirrors. Like anytime you get triggered by something, it's something that deep inside of you, you want, or you see yeah. you're experiencing. And yeah. so, you know, Marcy say like you're, you're making all these healthy choices and I'm your friend and I'm not making those healthy choices by you making those choices. I get really insecure because I'm like, Oh shit, like I should be doing that too, but I don't really want to, or like, I don't think I'm actually going to achieve success. So I'm not going to try. And then it kind of makes me secretly resent you. Even though what I want is just to be like you, but I would never say that because well, it's uncomfortable and like admitting that, (laughs) it's really hard. Yeah. And those feelings of incongruence of what you want and what you're not actually doing to achieve it is, is very triggering. And I think that's where low self-worth and lack of confidence actually comes from. Yeah. It's It's not really about how you look, you know, I think that losing weight can make you more confident in a sense Uh, But it's not even so much the final product as it is you finally like calling yourself on your fucking bullshit and starting to do the work. So like I'm in a little bit of a fat loss phase right now. I've lost probably 10 pounds. Not one damn person has (laughs) noticed. The only person who notices is me and my coach because I send him like half naked pictures of myself. But (laughs) nobody else has been like, oh my gosh, like, And on a five foot two person who weighed 119 pounds when I started this, like that's actually a pretty significant amount of weight, right? Yeah. Yeah. No one's like, oh, you look so great and treating me differently. I don't necessarily, I I mean, I feel a little bit better in my body because this is kind of like, I guess my happy weight, but what is giving me the confidence right now is not necessarily the look, but keeping the promises that I make to myself doing the work, showing up, all of that. So so when you keep telling yourself, I want to lose this weight, I want to change these behaviors, but you continue to self-sabotage, you don't do it. That's where that confidence, like a little bit of your confidence gets chipped away at, you know? Mm, Yeah. I think you just touched on a really important point, which I kind of want to go around in a circle and chat about, but about keeping promises to yourself. Um, And I think that that is so important, especially when you're surrounded by people that may not understand who you are in your journey or maybe aren't doing the same thing. And that's okay. You can still have people in your life that aren't doing the exact same thing, following the same diet, following the same nutrition plan, workout plan, whatever. You can still have those people in your life, but staying true to who you are, no matter what environment you're in, whether you're home, whether you're out with friends, whether you're with your family, if you show up to a family party, just say, and everyone's trying to push cake on you and you went into the party saying, I'm not going to have cake, but then you have the cake. That's not keeping a promise to yourself. You know, that's breaking trust within yourself because you're like, well, eh, 
I'm probably not going to really have the body I want. Like it's, it comes back to that self-worth and respect, I think. So for, for me, I know in the past I've totally done that. I go in, it's, it's mostly in social situations trying to fit in that, that feeling. But can you guys recall any times where you have kind of given in to your social settings and, and just been like, well, fuck (laughs) it, I'm doing this. Like I, I just, you know, like you break the promise to yourself. Um, anyone, anything come up for anyone? Oh my God. I mean, like over the years, numerous, numerous times, like probably for me more on the alcohol front of saying, okay, I'm going to go out and not drink and Mm -hmm. then get in there. And as somebody that had like suffered with social or does get bouts of social anxiety, when you walk into that situation and you're already a bit like, (laughs) and somebody, somebody just says like, you know, or let's have a drink or whatever. Like on the tip of my tongue is in my head, I'm going, you said you weren't going to drink, just order a Diet Coke. You said you weren't going to drink, just order a Diet Coke. Then you go to the bar, I'll have a white wine, please. Comes out of your mouth. And before you know it, you're going, oh shit, here we go. And then you're like, well, you know, I've got it now. I'll just have the one. And then one turns into like the bottle, Alive. whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah. So yeah, a hundred percent. Like I promises have been broken many a time over the years. And also like, you know, food then t- is tied in with that. Cause once you've had a drink, you don't care about the food. <laughs> so wait, I have a question. That yeah. moment, that split mm-hmm. decision um, that you made to uh-huh. you had the promise in your head, you had the promise in your head. Yeah. And as soon as yeah. the words come out of your mouth, yeah. Yeah. What feelings did you experience? Like, what was that shift like? Like, what was in your head? And then when you said the words, what feelings did you experience? Do you remember? So it goes, well, so now that I am in a situation where I am like very, I'm way more self-aware of what is going on in my head. So at the time, I knew that I had this voice saying like, you know, just get the Diet Coke, you've got this promise. But it was almost because there was the battle going off of then the other voice in my head going, get a wine, get a wine, you'll feel better, you'll feel better. It would be like I'd order the wine, I'd feel like temporarily better, like it was kind of a relief because, you know, I was feeling anxious anyway, and I knew that this temporarily was going to make me feel better. Um, But then as soon as I would start drinking, I'd be like, but you said you weren't going to do this. Why are you doing it? Like you said, you weren't going to do it. Okay. Just the one, just the one. And then you get to the bottom and then before you know it, you've got another one. So you've just broken yet another promise. So like, and the shame and the, the guilt is like building around that. But because obviously alcohol's involved, um, it becomes then less, less of an issue. It becomes less and less significant um, right. until the next morning when you're like, do you think you think that you actually prepared to have a drink even though you wanted to order a diet coke yeah i think i think so i think i was saying one thing but then i had another intention at the back of my mind because i was carrying on like just going with behavior that i'd always done i hadn't been intentional in, intentionally enough to say you are not that woman anymore. You are not that girl anymore. So when you walk into this situation, so my story was all wrong. My story was when you go to a social situation, the way that you get through it, the way that you deal with social anxiety, the way that you fit in, the way that you have a good time is you need to go and um, you have a drink. But then the bit of me that was thinking I want something different for myself was in battle and was going, go and have, like, you're not going to, you're going to do something different. You're going to go and like, not, you're going to go and not. But unfortunately at that point, the other voice, the old me was a lot, lot stronger and a lot more powerful than, than kind of me now as I am today. Yeah. So I think what I'm hearing you kind of say is like, you were kind of going into that situation. Like I know myself, I always end up ordering a drink. And so you did that. That's exactly what you did. You wanted to order the diet Coke and you guys listening, like this could be for anything, any food situation, any, anything. But if, if you have that story in your head, like, Oh, well I always 
eat a pizza after I drink, or I always come home and snack after drinks out with friends, or I always binge on Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. If you say that, even if you don't want to do that, if that story is in your head, it's like reciting this pattern and it's going to end up with you doing the thing that you're trying so hard not to do because you've conditioned yourself to say, I've always done that. That's always how it's going to be. And you yeah. actually believe it because you've done yeah. it. You've you've done that loop so many times that you really believe it. And until you start telling yourself a different story, you're going to end up just like Sarah was right there, right? Even though she was saying like, "Oh, I'm not going to have the drink in the back of her head," she's like, "Well, that's what I do." Yeah, you, know, you right. have to be really yeah. intentional about like that's not what I do anymore. That's not who I am anymore. I make different choices. Yeah, and just to be really clear, like this isn't easy. Because yeah. that, especially like in the, in the beginning, when you, when you kind of realize that you need to change the dialogue, it doesn't, just, it doesn't just suddenly happen. It will be a battle for a while. Like, so, like just to be really clear that, you know, don't expect it to be like, oh yeah, I can just change my story and everything's going to be, yeah, great. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. It's like a, it's like a constant battle of which, which bit of you or which voice is going to like, shout the story the loudest and you need to make sure that the, the one of the person you want to be is the one that's getting through the most mm-hmm. right and I feel like it's the repetition of that because you yeah. told yourself the other story for so long you're like yeah. in this pattern and it takes a bit to get out of it and so yeah. just keep telling yourself the new story and repeating it and the more times where you actually act like that new person the more you become that person. Yeah, there was a great, I think it was James Clear brought out the thing of casting votes for and against. Yes. Um, so what you the the mindset around it is you kind of whenever you do something um which is a positive behavior towards the person you want to come, that gets like a positive vote. And the same goes for when you maybe do something that is kind of moving you away from your goal so your aim is always to have more of the positive votes so every decision that you go in to make like so so for example for me at the bar with the wine the conversation would now be okay so am I going to make a positive vote or in the direction of the person I want to become or a vote in the direction of the person that I am now or don't want to be and then you make a decision based on kind of the voting system and I've had that work quite well with some of my clients um but it's just you know adding in that extra thought process I think yeah yeah it buys you some time to make yeah. conscious and I think that's the key word yeah, yeah, yeah. A conscious decision yeah. moving you towards the person you want to become not listening to the story of the person that you were yeah. Like, Why do you always put everything so beautifully? I kind of cotton fluff through things. We <laughs> <laughs> just like coming out like I've used five million words. Sam does it in like ten. <laughs> uh, Sam, I, I kind of wanna I wanna talk to you a little bit more because I feel like this whole concept of rewriting your story was something that I said to you. Like I'll never forget where I was when I wrote that text to you and like where I was when we were having this conversation and all that. You were, <laughs> I, uh, I was actually doing leg lifts. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> you were doing leg lifts and I was putting my face into a peanut butter jar. I've got some like glute workout. So I'm going to talk while I do my sideline <laughs> hip abductions. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, no, but like you were really, you were really struggling with your weekends and yeah. binging on the weekend, self-sabotage. And that's when you reached out to me around November. Holy shit. I can't believe it's been almost a year since that. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. Anyway. Um, and then I made that comment to you where I asked you the question, like, where do you think this came from? And you kind of had that epiphany moment. Right. But then I said to you, you can rewrite your story at any time and maybe you can give the listeners some insight as to where you were and like how you actually began to rewrite the story because it sounds so good, right? Like there's definitely a ring to it. Oh, rewrite your story. But people may be like, okay, cool. But how the, how do I actually do that? Yeah. Um, well, I think just to give you guys some context, if you 
if you haven't listened to past episodes or know the relationship between Marcy and I, um, Marcy helped me way back like last November when I was struggling with like eating at night, um, kind of like binge eating or just like overeating, not because not out of hunger, just out of like loneliness and not being happy and like a lot of other stuff going on in my life and like just a lot of mental health stuff and dealing with it through food. Um, and realizing that like that was just always how I responded to, to feelings of loneliness and discomfort and stress and, and all of these other things like overworking. Um, and when Marcy said that to me, like the power of rewriting your story, she's like, just because you've always done that doesn't mean you have to keep doing that. And I think it was just the simple truth of realizing that every single day you get to wake up and you could be a totally different person if you wanted to be. You could wake up, you could dye your hair, you could cut it, you could move to a new place, you could have a different occupation, like you could have a totally set of totally different set of beliefs. You could be a totally different person if you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I think before having that conversation with her, I felt very victim to my circumstances. Like I was never going to get out of the cycle and I was never going to find a boyfriend. I was never going to be fulfilled in my life. I was never going to be happy. Like it was already like quote unquote too late for me. I was 27 years old. Like I had such a skewed perception of what was real and how much more life I had. Um, and that I hadn't, it wasn't too late to change or too late to start. Like, I think it was really ingrained in me like, well, I've been doing this for so long. That's just how it's going to be. And I guess I didn't understand that like, oh, I I do have the power to change. Like I am in the driver's seat of my own life. And so when Marcy said that to me, I was like, okay, well, how can I take action on that? And I think really the first thing I did was I wrote about it. I still have like the – the notepad in my phone of our conversation in all of the ways in which I was sabotaging. So whether it be like binge eating or not going out to social events because I, w- I was trying to do more work. So that was preventing me from meeting someone or like doing all of these things to kind of get in my, <laughs> get in my own way. And I just didn't know that, oh, I can just change it. Like I can change. So I signed up for an ax throwing league. Like I got out of my comfort zone there. I told myself, if I have feel the need to binge eat, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to call a friend. I started to make like some new shifts and some new patterns. And like, I still messed up a lot and I still sometimes mess up, but I have a lot. I literally rewrote my story. Like I wrote that shit down because if I just told myself in my head, it wouldn't be real. I had to write it and speak it. Like I had to say it and then it became truth. And so repetition, like I, I write and I say this stuff so often because for 26 years of my life, I had told myself something differently. And the older you are, the harder it is to reprogram because the deeper those like neural pathways are, the deeper that loop is. If you think of like um, a, you know, a rock on the shore of a beach, it's super smooth because the water's crashed over it a billion times, you know, like it's really, really soft, but like a new piece of glass that's not yet sea glass is going to be really rough. It's the same way. It's like that pattern of creating this new thing. And so I think it's like, I think Kim, you said it repetition for sure. Um, and and it, it's also consciousness. So consciousness and the awareness of what you're doing and that you can change and then repeating to yourself and to other people who you want to be, how you want to show up, the things you want to do, and just really like telling yourself like, I can change right now. Literally in this exact moment, I can change. You know, I could be <sighs> fistful of granola in my face, but I could put it down and change. Like, <laughs> So remember, I think Marcy gave me the power to remember that I'm in control. And then I was like, holy shit, this is so powerful. And then it started to weak into every, every other area. I guess of life, you know? Yeah. And you're a completely, you are already like a very powerful, positive person and doing amazing things, but you are completely different, like on a, on a different level now. Yeah. So yeah, change is definitely possible. 
For sure. And what, what about you guys? Like, do you have any stories that, I guess, what is your main story that you told yourself and that when you were aware of it, you were like, whoa, I was really doing myself a disservice here. I was really sabotaging here. I was really not stepping into like who I could be. Do you guys remember like having a, a moment of shift like that? Um, mine was probably the story that my body needs to look a certain way in order for me to be loved and accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was a current one that I have worked through for the most part, you know, it doesn't mean like, Oh, I'm going to gain 50 pounds and, and still like feel great about myself. But just knowing that like the last five pounds aren't going to be the, the thing that makes somebody stay with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, but I still have some current stories that I'm continuing to work through, you know, what are those? Take, can you tell us? Uh, I suck, want to share. I suck at technology. Yep. That is such <laughs> yeah, a story. Man. I'll go with that. Yep. Um, like literally my boyfriend has to do everything for me. It's so sad. Uh, and we should go around rapid fire and, talk about our stories like this this is great because I think people will really resonate with the things you tell yourself that's are like I am or I blank you know yeah. like you suck at technology I suck at technology yeah that's what that's a huge one Kim um I'm disorganized mm-hmm Sarah really, really I am but I need to work on that <laughs> so I need to rewrite that story <laughs> That is that is necessary in a big way in my life right now. And that I am not as clever or um, equal or like um, um, not as good as other people. And that's the story that's kind of been with me all of my existence and will always probably make a slight reappearance on the onion, peeling of the onion as we get deeper and deeper well into it's interesting too how you can kind of start to rewrite one story but then other stuff comes up and it's like you have to yeah it's constant like rewriting balls you know what i mean so i remember you know we all do the infographics on instagram and the reason i told myself i am not going to do that and this was (laughs) like almost two and a half years ago right because I was not one of the first people to do it, but maybe one of the first, I would say like 20. And I got super triggered when I saw those things becoming popular. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get left behind. All of my friends are doing them. I really need to do this, but there's no way I could create one. Like, I just didn't think that, cause I, another story I have is I'm not creative and I'm not artistic. And where that comes from is college, because I was a journalism major, magazine editing, and I had to do Photoshop, I had to do PageMaker, and I literally could not figure it out, and I had to have my classmates do my projects for me. <laughs> so when, when I, you know, I was working with Jordan Syed doing a little business coaching, and I said, you know, Jay, please tell me I don't have to do those infographics. He's like, well, I mean, you don't have to, but I would strongly encourage you to. Oh, and by the way, I want you to put one up two days from now and I'm going to hold you accountable. So I had to figure that shit out. And my first one was terrible. Oh my gosh, it was so embarrassing. But then like they got better. And so I was like, okay, I actually can be creative. I can do these things. But now there's other technology stuff that I'm like still avoiding because I don't want to have to figure it out. And, and it goes back to, it chips away at my confidence, right? Like not figuring that stuff out. Yeah, I think that the story that you're telling yourself now, right? Is like, okay, I'm not creative. I'm not this, I'm not that. But are, I guess my question is, are you actively trying to rewrite that? I think we've lost Marcy. Yeah, she's a goner. It's interesting. Do you, do, I don't know if you ladies remember this, but literally last week on uh, one of our WhatsApps, Marcy said, I'm not creative. 
Yeah. yeah. And I, and I called her out and I'm like, what are you talking about? You have such creative infographics. So it's really funny. Isn't that interesting that now, like a week later, she's talking about specifically, she didn't feel like she could do infographics. She wasn't creative because I think hers are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they seriously are. Um, I'm, I was trying to think of what my story is. What currently? Yeah. And I think I've been doing so much work around affirmation statements that I don't have a story I'm telling myself other than generally my like belief is like I could always be doing better. Like I'm not fit enough, like that enough feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm not fit enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not this enough. And that's just, you know, that's a belief system running in the back of my head from like a long time ago from like childhood. But I think I can honestly say that I don't, I haven't said I'm not blank mm. in so long. Like, and yeah, me neither, actually. I've only been saying I am. And I think the biggest one for me is like, I am fearless and courageous. Yeah. And it's like, I am abundant. I'm like stepping into that space. And I've never done, I've never felt that way before. No. Now, I, it's almost, this is part of my um, outshining like story, like not wanting to outshine others, but I actually feel like I am capable of anything I want to achieve, which is scary to say, but I do believe it. But like, I always have that thought in my head, like, but I, I might do it, but I, it might not be good enough. Like it's not going to be perfect enough. Yeah. And so I think that's the quote unquote story. It's like, it, it won't be, it won't be good enough. I might do it, but it won't be good enough. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting to me how they can come back to like these thoughts that we've had, oh, they, these stories we've told oh ourselves, they can God. come, they can come flying back. I had that experience just this week. Um, you know, I've had this, I've had this feeling of like, oh, I'm not fit enough for this industry. I'm not fit enough for what I do. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like I've kind of gotten past that. Like I'm genuinely happy with my physique. Like, do I still have goals? Sure. But like, I've been really happy with how I look and how I'm performing in the gym. And I just kind of thought I was past that all. And I had somebody who um, had been referred to me for coaching. And whenever somebody else refers somebody to me, I, you know, I send a little letter and I send them my Instagram. I'm like, you know, if you want to get to know me a little bit before, and then we can talk some more and set up a call. And I've always had a positive response. And this woman messaged back and she's like, yeah, um, I don't want to work with you. And she told me a couple of reasons. And one of them she said to me is because you have no evidence that you've ever had a competitive figure. And, um, I was like, whoa, whoa. whoa. I was like, alrighty then. I haven't, I just got it over the weekend, so I haven't taken time to send a response back. Sure. Was she wanting to compete? Like, what was she? She does, what not, she does not want to compete, um, but she does want to get down to, I believe she said 14% body fat, I believe is the number she wants to get down to. And she said that there's no evidence on my account that I do that. And I should probably consider, you know, talking more about those things so I can broaden um, who I'm attracting. And, you know, I felt better, like, the more I sat with this, because I'm like, that's not at all who I want to work with. I don't really want to work with women who want to get down to 14% body oh, fat. Sarah, you've been super. I've happy. been nice. Not happy. Good luck, lady, with that. <laughs> and that's not where I want to help people go. No. But I have to tell you, this was rattling around in my brain for several weeks. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, people are looking at me and being like, what are you talking about, lady? <laughs> you go get more fit. And so, yeah, it's hard when those stories kind of come back. Yeah, well, that's like, I mean, that's a big trigger for somebody to have, to have said that like to you if that if somebody was to say that to any of us I think it would it would yeah. kind of it would have some kind of response yeah. yeah I actually think that would be something I'd be most sensitive to mm -hmm. I think when it comes to our, like how our appearance is like you know we can all say yeah we don't care and like who, who gives a shit about what other people say but like if you said something to like anyone really it's always going to trigger some kind of a response because like you know we're, we're sensitive we're all sensitive souls at the end yeah. of it at the end of the day nobody wants to hear anything negative said about them in that way yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah whether you just decide to put value on it or not is another yeah. story but i think exactly. i think yeah we're all allowed to have feelings of like, whoa, that yeah. hurt. Yeah. And then like, do you attach onto it or do you let it go? And it go. you know, yeah. the goal would be to let it go, but it's not always that easy. Like, yeah. especially if you spent a lot of your life trying to change your body for someone to kind of bring you 
back to that old thinking is like, oh fuck, you know? Yeah. It's painful. But it's a constant, the man thought management is just a constant, like it's just a constant thing you have to do. Like it's, you, you don't just kind of make all these discoveries about yourself, think that you've sorted them, healed from them, however you want to frame it, rewritten the story, and then that's it. You can just leave it. It's a daily practice of listening, observing, and dealing with what's going on. Right. Just because you showered today doesn't mean you have to not shower again for the rest of your life. Oh, that would save me so much time. Oh my God. I feel you. <laughs> so I want to leave everyone with some actionable advice. Um, I know we actually, we kind of like went on a little bit of a side tangent, but I think it's really, really beneficial for everyone listening because this stuff comes up a lot in my own life every day I'm sure for you guys too and it doesn't get talked about as nearly as much as it could be um so in terms of like you know stepping into the space of where you want to be and feeling supported um and really just like making decisions based on the person you want to become creating boundaries um if you guys had to provide like one or two tips for people to take action on their behalf and really like be true to who they are and, and stepping into that space. Um, what are some some actionable advice that you guys would would give? Uh, Sarah, you want to go? Um, so I would say starting by getting very clear with yourself when you know when you're away from it all, who who it is that you want to be in in the future. So sitting and writing down about all of the feelings you want to have and the qualities you want for your life so that you're very, very clear um, on who it is that you want to be. And then when you look at that kind of description of who you want to be, write down some of the behaviors of that person and then keep those behaviors like on your phone or like so you can regularly look at them just to give you a reminder. So as you're walking into various situations, step into that person, say, okay, so I'm walking into this situation now. Am I going to go into it as old me or the person that does this and then read your phone and then walk into the situation? Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Doing a little check-in with yourself. Mm -hmm. like, is this the old, the old me or the new me? Yeah. Um, Amen. 100%. Yeah. That's great. What about you, Kim? So I think it's really important to notice and give yourself credit for the wins that you rack up um, mm -hmm. as you are becoming this different version of yourself. Um, I liked what Sarah was saying that James Clear had said about um, making votes with the person that you want to become. And it doesn't help if you make those votes and then you do not recognize them. Yeah. I find this a lot with my clients when they either, you know, video text me or they write to me, they'll say something that I think is working. Like, wow. Like that's real progress. That's a big win. And they'll almost, that's not their point. Like they say it and they move on to something they struggled with or something else. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like yeah. let's go back and like, that's a huge um, piece of progress you've made. And so really taking every win we make, every vote we make for the new us and recognizing it as such. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Some like a, a good um, image I have for that is like moving the finish line on yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like you've, you've, you've reached a goal and maybe it's a small little interim goal, but then as soon as you reach it, you're already on to the next goal. Mm -hmm. You even appreciate or acknowledge yourself yeah how far you've come and if you constantly do that you're never going to be happy like you're always going to be chasing that next thing when you can't just be like wow i did that like nailed it you know yeah. <laughs> do a little happy dance you know <laughs> all about the happy dance yeah i love that yeah marcy what about you well, I'm going to bring things back on track a little bit since <laughs> we totally got off track uh, and talk a little bit about if you are dealing with unsupportive people. So I would say first and foremost, recognize that it is not about you. It's not people being unsupportive because they 
deep down don't want you to succeed. It's all a reflection and you are mirroring what they don't like about themselves. So as hard as it is, try not to take it personally. Don't feel attacked. Just send those people some compassion and try to understand what it is that they're actually going through. And then, you know, it's really easy to say, and I think that this has become popular these days, like, oh, cut the toxic people out of your life. And yes, that can be good advice, but I think there are some people where it's hard to actually cut them out of your life. Like maybe it's your spouse and you realize, okay, I'm not ready to get a divorce or break up with this person, or I, I do still want them around, but how can I make the relationship better? How can I feel more supportive? And that is all going to come down to creating boundaries and really asking for what you need and you want. So having that conversation and saying, you know, this goal is really important to me and I would appreciate it if you respected me enough to, you know, not try to sabotage me or whatever the conversation may need may need to be. Um, but having the conversation and explaining to them why this is important to you is going to be very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that kind of segues into my biggest advice is like the way that Sarah talked about it, right. Is like, think about who you want to become, like, where are you right now gaining that consciousness and awareness? And then who do you want to become? And then when you realize what you need to do in order to become that person, it's like saying no to everything that doesn't serve that direction. So like saying no, unless it's a hell yes, like it has to be a hell yes in the direction of the person you want to be or else it's a no. And that comes in the way of setting boundaries. Um, And you're not asking the people around you to change you're just asking that they support your change, you know, or, or that they just don't say anything. Like they can just be, be neutral or be supportive, but you'll say like, Hey, if I would really appreciate it, if you support me in this journey on becoming happier and healthier, if someone doesn't want to support you doing that, then that kind of makes them seem like an asshole, you know? And if that's, if that's what it is, then that's someone that you probably don't want in your life. Like if they don't want to support you being happier and healthier, then that's probably someone that you don't want in your life. And that's how you can kind of start to distinguish like who's worth it. Like, are they a hell yes to keep in your life or not? Like, is the situation a hell yes for me to grow or to like feel good or is it not? And it's a good rule to use. Like, in anything, in relationships, in environments, in like the food you decide to eat, the drinks you decide to drink, um, and just getting clear of like each thing that you do, does it actually like ring true to who you want to be? Um, so. And you know, one, one thing that I want to say about that too is, you know, when it comes to the people that you choose to have in your life, I think for me, a lot of times, like I would meet people, whether it was like, let's say someone that I was going to date or get into a romantic relationship with, or even a friendship, I have met new people and I was already the way that I am. So it's like, okay, take it or leave it. You know, this is how I live my life. And I don't drink. I go to bed early. I eat really healthy. I take care of my body. And if you aren't on board with that, then we're probably not a good fit. Mm -hmm. So I think it's harder when you've already been in a relationship with someone and then you decide that you want to make a change because they're going to start pulling you back. So that's where you have to set those boundaries and ask for what you want. But I do think moving forward, now you have the opportunity to say, okay, anybody new that I want to bring into my life, these are my non-negotiables, right? And I, I want people who are in alignment with the highest version of myself, right? you know? Yeah. And you'll naturally attract those type of people on that level because you're already doing those things. You're already being those things. Mm -hmm. So I think we all met. (laughs) Yeah, really. And it's like the people for sure, the harder part of all of this is when you make a change and you step up and you level up and you change, leaving those people behind or managing, mitigating those relationships. And how do you work through that? Like those differences, how do you communicate? Hey, look, I just woke up this morning and now I want to start eating healthy. 
the person that woke up next to you is going to be like, but what the fuck? We get pizza on Fridays. We get Chinese food on Saturdays. And we binge out on beer on, on Sundays before we have to go to our miserable jobs on Monday. And it's like, well, maybe I don't want to live like that anymore. And so for someone to hear that, it's like, whoa, that is like, you're dating a different person. You're with another person. Like it's, it can be very like internally uh, shaking, you know? So that could be an episode on its own. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But that's why it's like you, when people make big life changes, they're like, fuck it, I'm going to move across the country. Cause it's almost easier to restart their life. It's a whole new setting, a whole new environment, different people. They don't have to deal with the shift. They can just go fresh slate. Leaders. You know, so there's lots of options, but I think uh, talking about it with someone, with, uh, with one of us, DM us, send us messages if this related, because I know that I've gone through this in so many different levels. I know you guys all have like, Kim, you're married. Sarah, you've had relationships. Marcy, you've been married and now we're in a serious relationship. And it's like, there's all different types of intimate relationships or friendships or environments that change and, you know, as we all change. It's like, it's all happening, yeah. so. but we're in it together and there's always someone out there experiencing what you are too. So yeah. I think that's, maybe that's how we can wrap things up is like, it might feel like your situation is just exclusive to you but guaranteed someone else on this planet is experiencing the same type of feeling, even though it might be a different partner or a different, you know, context, they're feeling that like, Oh my God, this is uncomfortable or the shame of leaving them behind or whatever it is. And you can get through it. You a hundred percent can get through it. Cause we all did, you know, and as amazing as we are, we're nothing special. Like if we can do it, you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amen. Amen. Um, any last words for the people on the other side? <laughs> no, I think they've had plenty of words. Yeah, plenty, <laughs> plenty of words. So we love words. you. Yeah, we love you guys. Um, right. And message us if you have any questions or if this resonated, please be sure to uh, hit us up on Instagram. And um, we look forward to catching you in the next episode. Oh okay. yeah. Bye. Bye guys. Bye 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 bye. bye. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. We love you, we appreciate you, and we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission. We are the Decades of Strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.